So today is the 22nd of June, and we're reading Do Not Judge in Joko's book, Nothing Special, which is a very interesting uh, section, because really what it's about, it's what we do all the time to create difficulty where there is no difficulty, in that we judge ourselves. We judge others, and more importantly, we believe the judgment. So, Joko wants us to start by noticing whenever we, we even use the name or think about a person, notice what we add to that name, what sort of judgment. Because... It's such an automatic reaction. Um, as Joko says in, in, towards the bottom of page 103, I suspect that if you do this practice, you will find that you can't go five minutes without judgment. I would say you can't go three minutes or even two minutes without judgment if you talk about others or look at others. Um, and then, what do we do with those judgments? What do we do in terms of harming ourselves and harming others? Or, to say it dif- differently, what sort of tensions do we get caught up? What are we unwilling to be aware and rest as, but would rather use judgment to avoid the present moment? So, I think you've all read this, or at least I'll assume you have, so I think we can just begin from there without me saying anything more. And then if there's need for it, I will say more when, when our discussion uh, lags. Um, can I just ask a question about what is Dhammapada? Dhammapada is a collection of verses of the Buddha, um, it's a, um, what should I say, it's a synthetic text. In other words, by, by synthetic means, he didn't say all of these things at one time, it's extracts from the Buddha's uh, teaching in other places, put together and um, into, almost into maxims. And usually, I have a version of it, if you want, the next time I'm in, in um, Champagne, ask me and I can show you my version. It's easily available. Um, Often you'll have the maxim and then you'll have along with it a discussion of where and when this came up and under what circumstances. So it's like since um, that was Joyce asking me, right? So it's like Pirkei Avos which is uh, uh, Hebrew text, actually it's not Hebrew, it's probably Aramaic, um, which um, has various sayings collected of various elders. So this is sayings of the Buddha in different places put into a collection. Okay. Um, uh, is, this Yabba, that, is this something people would have known? I mean, I, I, yes. it's just... It just struck me that she was saying this in a Dharma talk. Yes. You know, that she would assume that people who were hearing her would 
Yes. Um, Dhammapada is, is actually one of the more, um, uh, what should I say, common collections of, of Buddhist texts, because it's not even a very, uh, it's not esoteric, it's not very formal, uh, it's, there have been translate, translations of it probably for the last hundred years. It was probably one of the earlier, uh, texts when, when, when English speaking world, particularly, um, British uh, discovered the Buddha and then started to translate his text. That's probably one of the earliest texts. And there's many older and newer versions. Some of the older versions are, are, I should say, older translations are a little more clunky in their wording because they reflect uh, a certain period of time. You could probably find it online as well if you look online, I would guess. I haven't looked because I have the copies right, of it. Right. Yeah, I just I was just curious. Okay. Well, um, there, this is Lisa. There was one thing I was interested in on um, page one hundred four. Well, I mean, there was there was more than one thing I was interested in, but but particularly uh, something that I noticed was on one hundred four toward the end of the um, first full paragraph. Um, it says she says that behind the judgment is a self-centered thought. Yes. It produces tension in our body, and and I'm trying to. I mean, I I accept that that makes sense to me. But when I think of the judgments I make, I'm trying to think of what what the self-centered thought is behind behind the judgment. I, I was just I was just curious about that. Like it wasn't. Immediately okay. obvious to me. Make up a make up a judgment, and then we okay, can see. Okay, so so I'll think um, about the director of my department. Um, I'll think, um, you know, in kind of a in, in kind of a angry way. I'll think um, he never talks to me. He never tells me what's going on. Okay, he, good. He doesn't. You know, he's not he's not very director. He doesn't think he doesn't think very. Good. Yeah, you know, he doesn't know how to inter- interact with the you know staff. Good. Okay, let's stop there. So there might also be unstated aspects where you say, "Well, I never do anything like that." And if he really, if he knew how worthy I was, he would talk to me. Or it hurts me so much that he doesn't talk to me. Or that must mean he's really a mean person and he shouldn't be director. Or, I'm just making up a few very quickly. I was trying to, yeah, okay, the self-centered thought. I can, yeah, I can relate to, um, right, okay, so then that makes me feel like I'm not important because he's, I, perce- I perceive that he's uh-huh. not talking to me enough. So Good. I, I guess the self-centered part is, so I guess I guess I don't, he's not, he doesn't think too much of me or, you know, or, or something like that. Or couldn't it just be, oh, I know better? Yes, could be I know better. It could yeah, be. If, yeah, I guess that could be like, oh, I'd be much better at communicating. Right. <laughs> and and if he knew how worthy I was, he would talk to me more. Or maybe he's right. Maybe I I, I don't matter to him. Um, right. Or I mean, we could spin it out in all sorts of ways, and these might arise. And when we, the fact that thoughts like this and feelings like this arise is one thing. But when we believe them and hold on to them, then we're creating suffering, 
harming, and we might even then have a basis. So, if he does that to me, I am going to, and then you fill in what you're going to do as a result of believing that, which is <laughs> further harming. Yeah. See, yeah, well, so I guess it was pretty easy to see what the self thought was, but <laughs> when I first read this, I, I mean, I could easily see, obviously, that I make a million judgments, but I wasn't quite, I wasn't, you know, it wasn't as clear to me what the, um, what was behind? What would be behind it all the time? But yeah. that that makes it clear, certainly. And, and we don't have to go looking for what's behind it. All we have to do is, if I'll say it, rest bodily in the experiencing of the moment of noticing the thought and experiencing that, or noticing the tension. And being that allows whatever is needed, so to speak, to arise, or it allows whatever is needed to be released so that we don't have to hold on to that. And if there's more thoughts, fine. If there aren't, that's fine. We don't have to go looking for what else is connected to this unless it pops up, because it might be, for instance, uh, you might, I'll I'll pick a, a more neutral subject, you might be just walking down the street and see someone dressed in a certain way, and you go, how come they're dressed like that? That's so <laughs> terrible. And then you might notice, oh, I never dress like that. Uh, I'm more, I dress better than that. Or oh, what if I dressed like that? What would people think of me? Or and, and then you could go off in all directions with those sorts of things. And I just picked a little simple thing of someone that you don't even know. So... Mm-hmm. Uh, getting back to something Joyce said a minute ago, um, art, at least from what I can see in my own experience, all my judgments are based on I know better. <laughs> even, even judgments of myself, oddly enough, are based on I know better than that I shouldn't be that way or I should have said that, as if there's an actor and a judge. I mean, you know, we use the, take, take the legal context of judge. You know, the parties go before the judge and the judge has the facts and the law and makes an arbitrated, makes an arbitration, makes a decision because the judge knows better than either parties. So our judgments are always based on, as far as I can see, I know better. I know better than to dress like that. I know better than to act like that. I know better than to say things like that. And how can that not be self-centered? Yes. Uh, the other thing, we were having a discussion earlier, and maybe it's a fine point and maybe not worth going into. You can let me know. But the difference between evaluation and judgment. I mean, when we talk about judgment, we tend to think of judgment in a negative sense, by judging somebody as in a negative way. But, you know, like I can say, Oh, Gamio, you're you're a really good teacher. I like the way you give Dharma talks. Well, that's a judgment. Yes. And, it's also an evaluation. And I mean, if you, what's the difference? And if you believe it, see, if you believe the judgment as a basis for action, then you are elevating someone else and putting yourself down, just like elevating yourself and putting someone else down. Those are just two sides of this believing the judgment. Judgments are just thoughts, except that they're not just thoughts to us. They're not just feelings. Um, and maybe, maybe, 
we begin to notice what we do as a result of the judgment, or how we feel threatened, and how that's reflected in the judgment, or how we want to threaten someone by using a judgment. Because after all, since you use the example of judge, judges then impose sentences. So what sentences do we impose on ourselves or on others as a result of believing the judgment? As a result of making judgments without seeing all the evidence. We don't allow anyone else to testify in the court, so to speak, to make that judgment. We're just the only test, the only testifiers. We're not just the, the, the judge, but we're also the prosecuting attorney, so to speak. So maybe there's something to look at there. Sure, judge, but can you judge as without being the prosecuting attorney? Or can you work with that? Yeah, well, that's what I mean by evaluation. I mean, we, we, we are required in our life often to evaluate. Is uh-huh. this the right decision? Is this something that I should do? Um, you know, is, is this what this person is saying, the, the, you know, the truth, or, or whatever it might be? We're, we're required to evaluate. Um, uh-huh. It becomes a judgment, I think, getting back to what Joyce was alluding to, is when it becomes personal, when it becomes about self, um, you know, a threat to ourself, or something that we're afraid of, or something that makes us angry. Then it becomes a judgment, as opposed to just an evaluation. It, 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 Does that make sense? Yes, but let's take it a step further. Not only is it about ourself, but we make a story about the so-called other. Not only is it that they just dropped such and such, but they always drop that. They're always so clumsy, which is, of course, creating other, of course, creating self as fixed permanent. It's creating a story and a basis for all sorts of other actions, which is just continuous trouble. See, it's not only that, so that's a difference between evaluation and judgment. In other words, if someone drops something, they dropped something. Right. Big deal. Except if we add on, oh, she's so clumsy, or he, etc. Yeah, that's what I mean. Then we become the arbiter of wisdom. We become the person who <laughs> knows what is right and wrong and can make a judgment. Uh-huh. About it. Something else I was going to say, and I can't remember what it was. Oh, well, maybe it'll come back. Now, Joko brings this up as a way for us to begin seeing how to practice with it. And to notice how we do it both in terms of so-called ourself and so-called others. And this judgment is much easier to pass on others. Or some, t- some of us have the habit of passing it on ourselves. Either way is a problem. If we pass it as a judgment rather than simply as a evaluation of what's called for in this moment for us, in this universe of so-called self and so-called other. If someone's dropping something, 
as opposed, instead of judgment, bend down and pick it up or help clean it up or whatever else can be can be um, an appropriate response. See, if you rem- look at the Dhammapada verse, um, it, it ends with, but let one see one's own acts done and undone. In other words, and therefore you could add on, and do what needs to be done, and cease doing what needs to be undone or not done. See, that, that's the important part as well in practice. I assume that to be that to mean acts of omission as opposed to or, or commission, whichever. Okay. I mean, it might mean that we have to say, uh, "Please excuse me, I spoke without thinking," or. Um, whatever else is appropriate. We don't want to make um, too fixed a picture because then we get stuck into uh, those situations and we don't have the broader sense of noticing, I mean, as we talk, as we have in the precepts, the the ten um, bodhisattva precepts, the, the grave precepts, not speaking of the faults or others, or not putting ourselves up and denigrating others. That's what this is. It's another version of this. She mentions a technique that she recommends. On the first, on the first page? Yes. Uh, when she, she says... Um, whenever we say the name wait, of wait, the say, person, say where in the page you are so I'll others can read the middle paragraph. Okay. Recommend practice to help us catch ourselves in the act of 103. 103, yeah. Watch what we add to the name. Yeah. And it doesn't matter whether you know the person or not. When we say a name, any name, and we add on a belief, right there is something to look at. Now, you could say the name and add the belief and notice that and then let go of it. Or you could notice how much you believe what you add on and what you do with that belief, with that adding on. And what's the consequence of that? Does it matter if it's uh, positive or negative? Um, If you hold on to it, they both can have um, consequences, whether it's so-called positive or negative. It's fine to have so-called negative or so-called positive. Sometimes it's useful to look if they're true. Or Or is it true right now? Or is it a truth that I believe, you know, in the past that person was always, and then you fill in. Um, it's not the positive or negative that's the issue. It's what we do with it, with ourself, and in terms of our action towards the others. Um, If you're describing someone playing tennis, and you could say, 
and he lost the game. Fine, no big deal. But if you then add on, ah, he's always losing the game. I wish I didn't have to play doubles with him. Ah. (laughs) Then, and it might be that you choose not to play doubles with him. Fine. But if you then add on, because he's such a terrible, you know, um, tennis player, you know, he's someone I shouldn't be friends with. People should stay away from him. He doesn't work hard enough. He's all of that harm and suffering that we believe and create problems. That's the finding fault. That's not just noticing, but it's finding fault, as, as the Dhammapada translation is. See, we find faults in the faultless universe. See, the truth of the matter is, it's a faultless universe. Meaning, it's just cause and effect manifesting in different ways. Some of us are great dancers, and some of us can't even put two feet one in front of the other. Um, No big difference, unless we believe there's a big difference. Except, if you want to dance with someone, then you, you make your choices. And sometimes you dance with someone who can't put one foot in front of the other. Corollary to that uh, part about the <clears throat> the, uh, the the activity that she recommends is on page um, 108, the top of 108, uh, and well, we'll start there when it says we label when we label others thoughtless. However, we don't see the hundreds and thousands of other things they do. We tend to be interested only in what affects us directly. That's when we remember our childhoods. We always remember the bad stuff, especially the good stuff that people did to us. Don't remember anything that felt threatening. If someone hurts us, we're interested in the other things she does. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, and I think, um, and then she goes on later, the negative attitude we have formed about her poisons the way she is received by others, including those who have no personal experience of her. Uh, you know, having heard the gossip, they dismiss her too says cumulative judgment is the most harmful thing humans do to each other. We judge people and reject them without knowing them at all. Yes, uh, and we pass it on in, in gossip, which is the next... I mean, she alludes to that, but that's right. even more poison. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. And, and notice what she says. Have you ever heard the experience of... Pe- uh, have you ever had the experience of hearing people describe people described whom you have never met? See? Yeah. And are the, the, the person saying that is, is creating harming. That's why it's not speaking of the faults of others. When we indulge in that, we're indulging in, in poisoning ourselves and poisoning the universe. You know, if your if your job is a judge, then you have a job to do something. But other than that, speaking of the faults of others is a, is engaging in gossip, is engaging in saying, "Well, I'm better than that," or other things. And Joko talks about it in all sorts of ways, and that's exactly what the Buddha is talking about, because. Not because it's so-called bad in, in some abstract way, but because it causes harm and suffering for us and for everyone else. It poisons us. 
I, I use the expression in in this up uh, this week this upcoming talk Dharma talk that you rope in others into poisoning life by that kind of talk you rope them in um, and people like to get roped in you get little clutches of people passing it back and forth hi I don't do you know if I'm here do you yes. know that I'm here yes <laughs> I know you're there you you you, you, you just have to speak up I did con- I did connect you a working mic now, so I'm back. So yes. thank you for persisting and calling me. <laughs> I was kind of surprised to hear from you. Good. But I did, I did that. I didn't read this. I, we're still on Joko, right? Right. We're reading nothing <laughs> special, and we just, we're reading the chapter on page 103 called Do Not Judge. Okay. Well, I, have, I need to hear all of this. <laughs> <laughs> I had a terrible, <laughs> I had terrible practice past week I had a, um, a guest in my home who was in difficult circumstances and which is why they were in my home but I found this guest to be extremely insensitive and rude and um, I was so frustrated and I I thought I I tried very hard not to give an angry response to the rudeness, but I did go off uh-huh. and call other, talk to other people about how rude this person was, and I'd never answer. Several people I called. <laughs> <laughs> they don't know this person at all, and they probably, after my description, <laughs> will never want to know this person. <laughs> And we'll probably, you know, they never, you know, these were people that would never have a chance to meet this person. But nevertheless, so what do you do then with, um, like, that kind of, like, I feel like when I'm in a circumstance like that, I feel some kind of um, release of having, um, you know, discussed it, discuss it with someone else, the situation. Yes. Except I'm not like really, you know, I'm giving them all my perspective on what is happening. And it definitely, in my conversations, was very much judging this person. Uh-huh. Because I felt so, I felt very hurt by what was going on. Yes. And, and I will say that you should read this chapter, but I'll just quote what Joko has a comment here. She says, much of what we call friendship amounts to shared judgments and critical attitudes about other people and events. Ah. So, it's useful to notice, is it skillful? First, we we share it with ourselves by repeating it to ourselves, repeating it to ourselves internally. Oh, yeah. Even though it's all over, I'm still repeating it to myself. Which is, it's almost like later. it's almost like it's taking a whip and hitting ourselves in the back over and over, and then yeah. saying, "Oh, I shouldn't have these get hit like this," and then hitting ourselves, and then saying, "I shouldn't get hit like this," and then hitting ourselves, and also wanting to still, even though this, it's all over, calling this person and selling them. You know, I don't think you realize how rude you are. <laughs> Uh, isn't it wonderful? 
remember that that is whatever that is that's a little piece of who cause and effect makes them to be this moment but at the very yeah. same at the very I, same time they uh-huh. are nothing but buddhas and bodhisattvas appearing in our life they are uh-huh. just persons of thusness they're they're not anything else they can't be anything else so that doesn't mean you have to invite them. Don't don't invite them again. Fine. <laughs> but that isn't the whole of who they are. And if we believe that's who the who they are, then that much we poison our own life. That's and th- that's what the Buddha says, let none find faults in others. Let none see omissions and commissions in others, which is exactly what you're talking about. But but let's see what others have to say about this. About what, whether what oh, Sandra said or what others. I found the bottom of page 104 particularly useful. Um, it's a really good reminder to me. I mean, I, I have uh, other comments or thoughts I could make too, but I'll just stick with what I was really kind of fixed on there, where... Um, you know this this idea of stating facts, mm-hmm. and I know that I'm. I mean, you know, I, I'm sure we all, but I know that I'm guilty if I should use that word or you know can't use that word. Where you know you think you're just saying something factual, um, but it depends on how you're saying it. So it's maybe true that they're facts that are being stated but you know there are all kinds of tones and so forth yes and there's all sorts of ways that we hold on to it and that we don't see in a way this is these are wonderful opportunities to take a few moments to be zazening just standing there or sitting and just notice the thoughts and then in a sense open up to experiencing the present moment, the saying body tension that wants to say that, that wants to do that, that is holding on to that. And just be that for a moment. And see what what comes out of that. I don't want to say too much, but because it's a matter of us doing the, if I use the word, the work, the practice of the moment when that comes up. Whether it's before we say, any, say it out of our mouth or um, after we've said it out of our mouth. Before, maybe it's just when we say it to ourselves, but we don't say it to anyone else. Or sometimes we say it out loud to ourselves. Um, there's, there's the opportunity of noticing how automatic and quick and the, what the consequences of that is. Sometimes you could spend a whole sitting period going around and around about what someone did to you and how terrible they are and how they are always. And if you only got a chance, you would, uh, etc. 
or maybe just a few minutes in the in the zazen period. One thing I really liked um, was on the bottom of page 109, and I guess this goes back to the, well, it does go back to the self-centered thing. Um, at the bottom of 109, the last student uh, part says that if we catch ourselves and we're about to judge and we don't say anything, it seems like we have to be willing to be nothing in that moment. And, and Joko says that's true. When we judge, we reinforce our separate identity as a person who judges. When we keep our mouth shut, we have to give that identity up for a moment. Mm-hmm. I think that is so, I have really felt that before. Like when yes. I'm about to say something, I notice that I'm about to say something judgmental about someone and I don't say it, how really difficult that can be and how it is a kind of a feeling of nothing, nothingness, as mm-hmm. opposed to to a person who asserts their judgment. <laughs> uh-huh. Yes, and um, and that's what we might shy away from, because asserting the judgment is asserting self. Yeah. And what is it to be with that event occurring, and in a sense forgetting self, in in a sense being awakened by the universe in which that occurs. And a step further, which is what Joko ends this with, what is a a compassionate response? Well, Joko uses the word kindness. What is kindness response in that moment? That's the next page you'll see. That's the last uh, statement she makes on page 110. See, that's if you want to say the other, there's two sides, so to speak, to this Buddha wisdom that is our life. One is seeing what's so, but the other side, which is wisdom, and the other side is the karuna, the compassion response. So what is the kindness? All kinds of words we could use. So what is kindness? What is being of the kind? Uh, of this moment, being kind. And of course, if you're kind to others, you're kind to yourself, or vice versa. If you're truly kind. I think of the golden rule at that point. Yeah? You could have... We could, we could articulate it in all sorts of ways, but those are just generalized articulation, and it's always in the specifics. So there isn't a formula, but it's an hour doing in this moment when someone else says such and such, or we say such and such to ourselves, or we say such and such to others, or when the event occurs. What is kindness? And be kindness in this moment. Going back to page 108, we were talking earlier, that first paragraph towards the end. The last line is, we judge people and reject them without knowing them at all. Mm-hmm. I, I would I would want to add there that we judge and reject ourselves without knowing ourselves at all. Yes. 
I agree a hundred percent. That's why we have our ideas and theories about ourselves and others, but is that knowing ourselves? And notice the very next paragraph where Joko says, and you, there are times, or she asks, have you had, ever had the experience of having had someone describe to you and thinking that you know them and then meeting them and finding that they don't at all fit your, uh, what, what should I say, imagined description of what they would be like. Just as you don't fit the imagined description of what you think you are, what you are like, who you are. But you have to give up those judgments to see more, to be more. Or at least put them to the side. Joko talks frequently about noticing the tension in your body, uh-huh. and that's something that I'm trying to work with. Mm. And I was thinking about what we were saying when you start to make judgments of people, and then the word body language came to my mind, or the words body language, uh-huh. and um, to read the body, to really be present in the body, why these thoughts are roaming around you know, just human to make these judgments and to feel my mouth tense up. And boy, that's a good sign to me. You better keep it shut, you know. <laughs> but I realize I always have a lot of tension in my mouth. Good. It, it's rare that I don't. That's a very good um, practice place then. It, throughout the day, you can stop at various moments and just, so to speak, check in with that spe- specific place for a while. And just, it's not my mind, but it's my mouth that I'm checking in. <laughs> they're all one. There isn't. There yeah, aren't I'm these not. two things <laughs> or three things. <laughs> so we we just check in at, at different places. <laughs> so. Well, wouldn't that be because there are thoughts that may have slipped by on labels? You could say it that way. Sometimes it could be that the thoughts slip by unlabeled because the body is generating tension. It's not an either-or. It's not that there's two body-causing thoughts, thoughts-causing body, emotion-causing thoughts. It's I would say it, it's different facets of this moment life and this moment um, entanglement in, in the cause and effect that is our life. So, so I mean, I'm curious because I have a, you know, so a couple different areas where I tend to do you know, stress and tension. And I check in with some of those sometimes, so this is kind of dovetailing with, with that. So I'm thinking, though, is, 
is that just a habit or is it is it an, a thought that you know I just have, have not realized I mean I, I, maybe it doesn't matter but I, I, I just it, so you're saying one could generate without the other I'm saying that there are different facets of a jewel and sometimes you look at one facet it doesn't take away from the other facet but because it's all interrelated wherever you polish the jewel is connected to all the other facets of the jewel. Whatever you attend to, that's the place to attend to. And then the, the, the other aspects might be un- revealed or uncovered, or they might not. But it's all interconnected. So it doesn't, you don't have to figure out, is it this that's causing that, or is it that that's causing this? It's whatever is up it, uppermost in your life experiencing, whether it's in your thoughts or in the physical or in emotions or in whatever, that's what to take care of because that's there. If you want to spend time using certain exercises to focus on certain areas, great, do that. Then you're doing certain things, just like when we... Uh, notice that we have muscle aches in our shoulders and we start doing certain kinds of stretches with the arms and the back and you might use a, a foam roller and you might get a massage and fine and that, as far as I know shoulders and back are all connected to hips and head and, and all sorts of other parts so they, it, they, they all go together and you know what? Our body is connected to the body of all other beings that we encounter. But we don't have to go there. We can start with just taking care of our immediate practice, which is the practice of everyone we encounter. And in our encountering is the practice as well. Well, I just want to read my, one of my favorite lines in this chapter on 104, the end of the section before the first student, she says, it's important not to slither unaware over great areas of our life. What a great image. Uh-huh. Yes. And, and much of our life involves talking, so it's important not to slither unaware about our Ha- talking habits that seem to sometimes go on automatically without us, uh, should I say, without us being present? Maybe. Without us noticing that we're doing it? Maybe. Maybe without us even intending or being conscious of our intending? Maybe. So, yeah. Good. Okay. Any last comments that you want to make, anyone wants to make on this? Okay, so next week we will do Preparing the Ground, which is begins on page 113. And one moment, let me look at a calendar and see if there's anything. So next week's the 29th of June, and then we'll have a class as well on the 6th of July. And then the week after that is Sashin in Springfield, so we won't have a class then. Any other comments? Okay, thank you all. Have a good evening. Thank you. Thank you.
Bye. 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 Bye.